Yo, it's the mic on mic Into that mic on mic And pour us another one Let's do it right though, mic We feeling nice though, mic Gather round, gather round Into that mic on mic Into that mic on mic Yeah, garage drinks with mic Test, test, how's that? Good. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Kevin, welcome to my humble garage. <laughs> so good to have you. This is um, the first step. Oh, yeah, so the mics are, um, they've got like, a, you can move, maneuver them oh, around so if you need to. Um, and they're directional, so they speak from the front. Yes. Not from the top. Okay. Um, but I'm sure you've done this a lot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and so you had the interesting choice of Pepsi Max, which is really good. I'm drinking Heineken Zero Zero. Yeah. Um, is that something you normally go for? Um, yeah, I think if uh, if you know me, you know that I love drinking fizzy. So I think it's, <laughs> it's probably st- hasn't been since I finished um, playing rugby that um, just realised uh, I, I can't have as many calories as, as I used to. Yeah, so right. um, well, the body gets older, eh? <laughs> all the sugar-free options is uh, is the yeah. go for me now. Yeah. Man, it's so good to have you here in our humble little garage. Um, <laughs> one day it'll be a garage deluxe, but at the moment I guess it does the job. Yes. Um, and Love it, looks it's good. good I'm really up. glad that you're the first person to kick this off. Oh, thank um, you. Oh, honestly, out of all the people I could think of, like, uh, really good to have you on as the first person. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about um, a myriad of things. Yes. Um, but I think probably best to, like, if we go all the way back, because you're from, originally from Tokoroa. Yes. And so you're born and raised in Tokoroa. Yeah, is yes. that right? Yep. Um, my mum's um, parents uh, migrated um, uh, there early, and right. so um, actually, my mum and a lot of her um, brothers and sister are um, born in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, we were lucky enough that and I don't don't know why they went to Tokoro out of all places because you right. know uh, most um, work. Yeah, um, they ended up working at the at the mill there. Mm. They uh, forest products. Um, yeah, and, and my dad worked there, and all my uncles as well. So um, it's a it was an awesome place to grow up. Right. I think you know um, the people we are today. Um, it often stems from the environments that we grow up in and the experiences that we have. And so um, I think growing up in an awesome place like Tokoro, which is it's quite a small place. Mm, yeah. um, uh, all my aunties and uncles and my grandparents live really close. So you just right. you walk down the road. You know, even as a youngster, it was fine for us just to walk down to our grandparents' house. and Yeah. So back in those days, many Samoans living in Tokoroa? We had a good community there. Mm. Uh, surprisingly, um, quite a good Pacific Island community there, you know, and we had a, uh, my my granddad was, my pa was the um, conductor of the Samoan um, choir at the Catholic Church, and we had an assembly god there as well. So there was, um, we had a really good um, Pacific Island um a lot of people in, in Tokoro, out of all places. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like? What was it like growing up there? Um, like, obviously, there's a few, quite a few Samoans, yes. but you enjoyed growing up there and your dad, your your family working in the sawmill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, a great place to grow up. Yeah. Like, we, uh, um, you know, we, we were really close with our cousins, uh, who were probably like three or four years younger than us, but we spent a lot of time together. And, um, you know, we learnt... Uh, you know, if, if I'm, even when I think about um, catching up with our uncles and stuff, we'd always go and play uh, touch with them. They'd always pick us up. We'd go down and play touch with their uh, work teams and, and that as well. So it's a really tight-knit uh, community yeah, and yeah. Um, a really good place to grow up when you're just thinking about people that sort of... I don't know. I, th- I thought when I was growing up in Tokoro, like, everyone sort of lived relatively the same so like there wasn't yeah. it didn't seem like there were classes growing up and, right yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. classes of people growing up yeah. in Tukuro. Yeah. so um yeah i just thought there wasn't didn't ever felt like there was much judgment of who had what mm. it was just uh, and maybe that was me looking through the lens of a young person but um looking back i just think uh pretty much everyone got on in the town you know yeah yeah and you started obviously your rugby journey in Tokoroa and then came to auckland is that right yes um yeah, we as as young teenagers out and and as the mill started um, to uh, shut down parts of it, you know, my dad was made redundant. Right, right. Uh, and there was a, you know, I think we they came to a crossroads where uh, do we look to move out of Tokoro, you know, and it was a big decision for us as a family, and it's pretty cool. Our parents actually asked us, you know, what do you think about us moving up, and. Um, 
you know, when, when I look back, I just think, I uh, thank my parents for even asking the question, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you at the time? Uh, I was um, I was 14, yeah, uh, going on 15. Okay. Uh, and I was lucky um, when we moved up to Auckland as well. Uh, my, my brother Luke, who's a, who's a year older than me, we could go through school together. So I always felt like, uh, you know, you always it always feels safer when you got someone to go through school with, you know, go through some something new with. Yeah, plus at that age you're leaving like a whole group of friends and stuff that you've made and you're starting into you're coming into high school where I guess people have already sort of established like their sort of friend groups and stuff. And to come into that you've got to find like a whole new set of friends. Was it hard for you that move? Um, I guess it helped having Luke. Yeah. But did you find it hard like trying to adjust and find a new group of friends and I, I tell you the the, the demographic from um, Tokoro to um, South Auckland is really different, mm. and uh, one of the I think walking into uh, and we went to Aldera College, mm. uh, walking in and um, uh, seeing a lot of people with uh, similar backgrounds and uh, upbringing to you, um, you just there's just uh, you automatically feel uh, that comfort mm. and um, comfortability uh, there. So. Um, I had, you know, when you look at most of the percentage of the school is um, of Polynesian, and which is quite different to what it was in Tokoro, uh, I suppose it just uh, made it easier when they sort of um, you're walking in, meeting new people that probably have a similar up- upbringing uh, and traditions that you've been through as a youngster yeah. as well. Yeah, C- quite kind of sort of accepting, eh? Because I guess people already sort of identify with each other. And yeah, I know because um, when I first came here to New Zealand, I went to Palmy, yes. in Palmerston for seventh form, and I, there was only like another one other islander in um, Samoan guy yep. in seventh form, and then but when I came to Auckland, um, just coming across um, the Polynesian community <laughs> was um, I didn't want to leave. Yep, you know what I mean. And I felt so I felt really at home. Yep. Of course, I missed Tonga and stuff, but yeah, yes. I felt so much more at home. Um, so you would have come in you came in and you just go straight into rugby or was that like a did you have to be convinced oh, <laughs> no. Um, no we, um, we we loved our rugby and uh, we um, I think our family uh, just loved sports you know yeah right um, but we had a dad that was quite sporty as well and okay. our, both our uh, you know our, our parents are really uh, been supportive along the whole journey so um, right it's definitely, it's definitely one of the backbones to, uh, you know, uh, I suppose all our family's success and whatever we've been able to do is have our support of our parents, you know? Right, right. Um, I was going to talk to you about that because you have quite um, something that's quite different about you and about probably a select few of people is the work ethic to like um, always be pushing quite hard. And I know you quite well because I see you train a lot at the gym and stuff, you know, daily and stuff. But where does that, where do you think that work ethic sort of comes from? Because there's a difference in like um, people like trying to, you know, be good. Yes. But there's a difference between taking the extra step, you know what I mean? And you want to be like world class. Um, and that gap is, um, there's only a few people that ever sort of cross that gap. Um, but it's something that's, um, I think it's something that's quite personal as well and something that's um, not a lot of people can can tap into easily because it's, I, I guess it's easy to become complacent, easy to like get sort of come off the path a bit or to get distracted by things that happen in life yep. and things happen in life. Yes. You know? um, so where do you, like looking back on like your sort of rugby journey and like getting to where you got to, yep. what do you think you can, what do you think that, where does that come from for you? Um, uh, when I think about it, like um, we had a, uh, and I know I, I know I talk about my dad heaps, but um, when me and my younger brother, uh, me and my older brother Luke, uh, we were playing rugby as youngsters, and my dad was a shift worker. Yes. And living in Tokoro, you know, when you're playing in, in the Waikato region, yeah. um, you have to travel when you play reps. Yes. And um, uh, you know, our dad would finish work. Uh, he'd work through the night, um, through to the afternoon, pick us up take us to training and then go back to work uh, after, you know, we'd finished training. And, you know, living in Tokoro, most of the tra- our trainings were in um, Hamilton. Yes. And so... Um, it's like an hour and a half? Yeah, yeah. Well, back in those days, you know... Oh, yeah, uh, um, Probably yeah. that. Even worse. Yeah. And so um, when I think about our work ethic, I, I always thought that um, for our dad, there was uh, sacrificing a lot for us. We'd just make sure we wouldn't waste his time. Yes. And so... Um, if I always think if we put in the right effort, um, it was our way of honouring him. Yes. Um, and I and I think when I think about it now, as as, as we're adults, like um, 
and for us uh, you know at the gym as well when we see people put in that sort of effort mm. um that's all you can ask for like 100%. sometimes uh hey like sometimes uh the technique's not perfect yeah. uh, but when you see people um put in a lot of effort you just um something uh, that you can feel proud of eh? 100 percent. i normally tell my class 80 percent of this is you turning up turning up you're here yes you know what i mean and i get that sometimes it's hard just to get to the gym and stuff but once you, once people have arrived yes um that's also what i like about the sort of classes that you run is that it's um it's because it's you step into the gym for an hour you don't yes. have to think yes i have to think and even like as a trainer when i'm going into like someone else's class i don't yes. have to think too much because the trainer's there to guide you through yes. and take everyone through so 80 percent is just turning up yep. the other 20 is the effort that happens of course you know like when they're training you understand that too a coach like um we both do early morning classes yeah. so uh, i think uh, when yes. we see our, our um our, t- our team turn up at that time of the morning you d- uh, you're firstly grateful you turned up eh? yeah and I don't want them to waste their time <laughs> that's it like I know like you know it, to set your alarm for 5 o'clock yes whatever and get up and come to the gym yep now that they're here they're in my hands yes. and I want to look after them for that next hour make no sure doubt. they get the most out of that hour yes. before they start their day you know it's just that sort of nurturing feeling but you have to appreciate yeah um the effort that people put in just to sort of turn up to the gym yes and because because people also come from such different walks of life as well oh, yeah. they have such different things happening in their lives yeah you know it's probably the one it's like an hour that they've got to give to themselves give back to themselves yes. if anything you know what i mean it's and it's um <laughs> i know what you mean like yeah. we we try and find that hard, uh, that balance of um getting into um work hard um, but enjoy doing that at the same time eh? it's, yeah. it's a it's a balancing act, isn't it? Sure, yeah. But people have fun. <laughs> they have fun it, doing you know it. I mean? It's like it's watching. It's great watching adults having fun. Yes. You know, parents coming out of like stepping away from the children for for an hour. Yeah. And actually enjoying something, you know. And I guess um, especially in this day and age, it's quite hard to sometimes find stuff like that that's um, interactive yes. with other people, especially when we're in like an age of technology. Yeah. Things can be quite isolating alone if you're like on the phone and stuff. Yes. You know what I mean? We I, I know we talked about it before. Um, also, and it was just around, you know, sometimes when the music's when the music's right, um, the, That's right. Uh, the our people feel it, and um, when they're working hard, they're dancing at the same time. Yeah, it's a good vibe. Eh? I, I love, love I love seeing, seeing that. I love seeing people dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, well done. I know they uh, they appreciate all the all the hard work uh, that you do for them as well. Oh, it's honestly, it's an honor. You know what I mean? It's it's great to be able to um, for people to trust you. To like take them for yep. you know what I mean because no I doubt. always appreciate that like people yes. actually trust you yes. that you know what you're writing <laughs> yes because sometimes I've sometimes I've done classes where I've like sat down and written the set yep. and put up on the board and I'm still considering whether like uh, like how achievable is yes. <laughs> is this yes. and then we go through it and I always appreciate that they've put their trust in me and they'll work as hard as they can to yep. achieve that yes um, which is really good um, just going back to sort of your journey. Um, so you, from Arere Cottage, mm-hmm. is that how you sort of got into Super Rugby straight after? Or did you have a period where, how, how did you get into uh, uh, playing for the Blues? Or was it for the Chiefs first? Oh, I, um, the, uh, my, my first uh, rep team uh, that I played for uh, it was Auckland, um, the Blue and White Hoops. Yes. And I was really lucky, uh, also like, um, and this is such a cool story, uh, it's a story that I love and it's... Uh, um, in 1987 watching the All Blacks play um, at Eden Park you know watching the play the World Cup here in New Zealand and I remembered um, Michael, Sir Michael Jones um, he was he was he's been my idol and still is today you know um, I still remember him scoring those tries you know he um, was a modern day flanker he sort of changed the way flankers looked quite athletic yeah. really physical uh, at the tackle as well and um yeah, when I uh, was lucky enough to play uh, for Auckland in my first year, he was uh, in his last year playing for Auckland. Uh-huh. So um, it, I just think it's amazing to be watching him as an eight-year-old and as a twenty-year-old catch the tail end of his um, of his journey. So had some amazing um, men still in that team as well, and so I think uh, um, my uh, introduction into um, Auckland was sort of semi-professional. Uh, but introduction to that team was great because I uh, had some really uh, awesome role models mm. um, along the way as well. So um, that came through me changing, I had to change position. I was originally okay. a loose forward okay. and I uh, had a really uh, good friend and mentor uh, who's no longer with us anymore, um, Jeff Moon. Uh, but he was he was adamant that I needed to change position to go further in rugby. And uh, he said I needed to move into the front row. And I thought he was joking, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, if he had said, uh, you know, move out to the backs or something, it would have sounded um, probably sounded like an easier transition. But uh, moving into the front row, where um, when when I first moved there, the sort of the first thing you think about is um, big and slow, which is today. And even when I uh, played in my time, um, it's totally different. They're just big, fast, and strong. You know, so. 100%, yeah. Um, yeah, no, just it took a bit of a, a mindset change for me, but um, had had a really good support crew of players and coaches and family that really helped me transition. Yeah, and so you transitioned straight from um, sort of playing for Auckland Rugby and then into Super Rugby? Yes. Yeah, I was... Uh, How hard is it to get into that? Do you know what I mean? Or is it, um, like, here in Auckland, is it more like um, once you're sort of set on that path, is it easier and easier to access the, the next channel or is it does it get harder and harder? I'm, I must admit... Um, uh, my first couple of years, um, I probably took it for granted a little bit. I was um, I was a young um, uh, number two. I was a young hooker. How old were you then? I was. I first started uh, playing Super Rugby at twenty, mm. and um, in the front row, you actually, for you to be- become really good at, you actually have to play play in the position. Like it's right. it's like an apprenticeship. You have right. to do. You have to get uh, minutes or time under your belt, yeah. um, because things that you experience in a scrum, yeah. um, you. You can't. It's hard, hard to teach um, uh, in a in training sense because uh, when you get into scrums, there's so many variables, things that can happen, so many different scenarios that you can go through. You ha- actually have to experience a lot of them to um, to learn from from these experiences. So, yeah. um, I probably spent the first um, couple of years as a Super Rugby player on the bench, and when you're doing that, um, yeah, I sort of was just happy to be mm. playing Super Rugby and for the Blues a team that I've watched since I was young and I actually w- hadn't spent as much time as I should have um, learning my craft getting better at that and um, probably uh, should could have been a better professional as a, as a youngster Right yeah and I guess you're also in a position as well you're in a team that there's um, people always sort of behind your back especially Auckland playing for yep. Auckland there's always people behind your back that are trying to get trying to take that jersey off you yes uh, do you find it really did you find it really competitive at that time because I know that um, so uh, I know out at a college yes like in comparison to like St. Kent's or like some of the bigger private schools yes around Auckland who put so much money and stuff yes into like rugby yes um, did you find much more competition of other guys trying to like come, come for and sort of take your position um, yeah, I think especially in Auckland, you know, like uh, there's just there's a huge pool talent pool here in, in Auckland, and so um, uh, you definitely there's always um, and when you think about uh, rugby in New Zealand, like uh, talent is like we have it in abundance in, yeah. in, in New Zealand. So um, it, it, once you get complacent uh, in, in our sport, um, it's hard to, to stick around. So hundred percent, yeah. yeah. No. And, and it's getting I don't think it's slowing down at all either I hear um, some schools have like four formers fifth formers um, up at like four or five o'clock in the morning training you know what yes. I mean and the, um, but the, the window for like getting an actual contract is yes. not that big compared to the amount of you know youngsters that are coming through that are wanting that are wanting to like chase that dream yeah I, I definitely think um, it's a double edged sword yes. you know like yeah. uh, uh, they, we're trying to fit people through like such a <laughs> Like a pinhole, yeah. um, and you know, it, it somewhere along the line, there's going to be disappointment for for people, um, for our youngsters. But one of the things I I, I really like about it is, um, like you were talking about, they're getting up early in the morning. They've got a drive to get up early in the morning it's and work, work ethic. Eh? Work ethic. It's so hard to teach. You yeah. can't teach it. It's people either get it ingrained in them or, yes. or they don't. And whether they go on to play that sport or not, yeah. they will have an ingrained work ethic in them, yeah. which is important for anyone, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other avenue as well is that you find more and more like um, more and more Kiwi players eventually like end up overseas. Um, and I think some pretty good examples are you know um, the Samoan that plays over in Ireland, um, the Tongan guy that plays now for the Wallabies, and these yes. are all people that sort of came from New Zealand. Yes. Uh, but the other end of that is that you know people go, they've got to kind of watch out for themselves. And while competition is quite hard here in New Zealand to sort of make the All Blacks or make those bigger teams, as long as those opportunities are offered overseas, people will eventually sort of end up heading overseas. 
Um, do you think that um, that's something that's going to threaten New Zealand, like in sort of the next generations to come? Because um, you know how dominant yes. the All Blacks have been. Do you think that's something that um, that would happen in the future? I I actually think uh, you know, and I I can I can probably speak from a player's or probably an ex-player's point of view is that um, it's amazing. It's great to have opportunity. Um, and uh, the more opportunities there are for our people or for all rugby all rugby players, mm. boys and girls, um, then the more chance they get to um, do things that are outside their comfort zone. You know, like we see so many of our players uh, grow, um, they grow immensely when they get a chance to work outside their, uh, or, or live outside um, of their comfort zones. Mm. Sometimes even that's just moving outside of Auckland. Mm. Uh, but then when you see them, um, move overseas uh, some of my friends have moved overseas had their families uh, grow up uh, and their young kids speaking French as well like I've seen that yeah it's cool. amazing it's amazing, it's amazing eh? yeah. you know um, same thing like um, to be able to become an all black the window's really small yeah. um, but there's so many other benefits to be able to be able to be playing rugby the travel yeah. uh, the experiences to, to the different types of life you can live overseas as well so um, I'm I'm all for them getting experience overseas and and getting to you know how cool is that raising your family in a yeah. foreign country? I know of a, a couple that grew up in Tonga with me. Yes, and they're still together. They got um, boys, and they he's a professional player over in France. Yes, but the most out of it thing is watching videos of um, these Tongan kids <laughs> like speaking fluent French. Wow, you know what I mean? but it's amazing. It's yeah. though, you know that's um, taking opportunities with both your hands and shifting your family across the other side of the world yes. and just deciding to give it a real good go and give them like a different different you know a different op- a different level of opportunity and things that would open up for them over there that wouldn't necessarily ever open up in Tonga yes you know so definitely I think it's uh, it's amazing for some of the players that can make the transition some players though I do hear like struggle a bit with the transition and I yes. can appreciate that that it can be like a culture shock you know shifting to a different culture and yep. being part of that culture um you said before um, when you were playing for um, that you felt that you got a bit complacent as a younger as a younger player. Yep. Um, were there any sort of consequences that happened? Yes, and uh, so my first two years as a Super Rugby player, um, I was playing for the Blues. Yeah. And in my um, in my third year, um, coming into my third season, uh, we, we me and my wife Ty, we were still staying at my parents' house. We were we actually had bought some land and had some frames up we were starting to build our house and um i was out mowing my dad's lawn and um i could see ty she's holding the phone and she's saying you know um the coach is on the phone and i was i thought he was ringing to say you know you need to get ready for for uh training for pre-season make sure you're ready and uh you 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 hit the ground running but uh, he was ringing up to say that i was i wasn't going to get selected this year and my heart sunk because um we've got a half-finished house and um, <laughs> it was not even half finished. And um, our boy, uh, we've got our boy on the way as well. So um, we've got all these things happening, and I haven't got a, I haven't got a contract anymore. Damn. And um, how you were, how old at this time? You're twenty one, twenty two. Twenty two, yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, my heart sunk because I was thinking to myself, uh, I was, I was willing to do anything I had to do uh, uh, in order to look after my family, but. Uh, within within a couple of hours, I had another phone call come through, and it was from the Chiefs. Right, they sent me a lifeline. Wow, wow, <laughs> and um, yeah, and and it was an awesome opportunity. And uh, when I th- when I think back to my career, um, I, I travelled down there. Mm. I travelled to Hamilton every day, uh, living up in Auckland, um, and I'd leave early in the morning, probably the same time we'd start our morning classes, you know, and head back after training. Uh, so, so there were some really long days, but um, by the end of the season, um, I um, I become an All Black by the end of the year. Wow! And um, yeah, when I when I think back to my career, it was just Auckland dropped you, Chiefs picked you up, and you became an All Black. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like a familiar story. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> and um, and when I think back to it, you know, like I was I was dropped by the Blues, uh, but that was my fault, you know. Um, when you're young, you keep thinking to myself, you know, I was, I was probably thinking to myself, you know, why, why did they drop me? I should have been there. When I look back, it was like, yeah, I probably um, could have done a lot better. And sure. um, probably that was, it was, it was for me probably a blessing in disguise that I needed to. A bit of a lesson. Bit of a lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and then you became an All Black. And this is what year are we talking now? Uh, 2002. 2002. Yeah. And um, talk to me about that because that obviously must be a massive different step from being playing in Super Rugby to playing with the All Blacks because now you're playing with some of the best players in the country. Oh, it's, it was amazing. Like, um, What's I it like initially coming into the team? I think they always show it, like especially for it's it's one of the um, things they always show um, on the All Blacks um, social social media platforms is when an All Black first becomes an All Black, they show all the gear they get. Yes. So like um, looking at the like bags of gear and boots that you get, you know, it was um, exciting, exciting, thrilling, yeah, yeah, and it was thrilling definitely. We um, the, the the time that I had become a first All Black, it was an end of year tour. Sure. And so there were three games. It was the first game was in Twickenham, yes. um, in England. Uh, second game was in France. It was in Paris, and the last game was in uh, Cardiff in Wales. And I sat on the bench for the first two games. Yes. And uh, when I when I sat on uh, the bench when we played against England, um, our two wingers that day were I think it was Dougie and Jonah Longu. And and I remember watching a ball get kicked over Jonah's head. He picked up the ball. And he was running down the touchline that we were sta- sitting on the reserves, and he was just as he, as he usually does, bumping off guys, bumped off uh, one of the big uh, English props, and was carrying on. And I was jumping up and down like I was I was sitting in the stadium, and I quickly thought, Jesus, jeepers, I could be on shortly. So I sat back down and tried to get myself back in the game. But I spent most of the first game watching as a as a spectator, as a as a supporter yeah. and without realising you know man I could have been on at any second so <laughs> big big change it was a you know and when you when you get a chance to play in the, those stadiums and when the All Blacks play overseas uh, the stadiums are packed and which is different to packed here eh? yeah I, packed here is about sort of 40, 50,000 I think Eden Park yeah but packed over there is about 80 80,000 <laughs> people and and some of the stadiums that you play in overseas it's uh, some of the amazing things is the bus gets parked outside you get your bags off and you have to walk through all the people so to like get to, your, um, to get to get into the changing room so there's a there's obviously a barricade um but from both sides all you as far as you can see is just people wow. uh, outside both sides so you you put your, your headphones on and you've got your music blasting out. yep yeah but it's an amazing feeling. Your heart's just racing as you're walking. Th- this is you're not even haven't even played the game yet. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. walking through the thousands of people just to get into the change room, yeah. um, you you know you realise how th- how things have just stepped up. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe ten ten or so notches. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so playing for the All Blacks, um, obviously it's on a much different level to any sort of other rugby that you play here in New Zealand, and the pressure is always on because New Zealand is rugby crazy. Um, and the fans the fans you'd have such diversity in fans as well fans that are quick to blame fans that are quick to support um, what's it like um, pressure wise being part of the All Blacks um, it depends whether you're winning or losing 100% <laughs> yeah Great um, yeah so and I think our, the All Black supporters have um, they've gotten a lot better over the years as well yeah and you know um, when I had first become an All Black back in 2002 um, there was some t- I'd, I'd been to two I was lucky enough to win two World Cups yeah. also in my time but I had two other World Cups that I had gone to uh, they weren't so flash mm. and um, yeah I think being on the other side of those two you get a lot of criticism probably which which is deserved as well but um, right. there's a lot of criticism and, and if you if you don't know how to uh, handle that you you can tend to carry a little bit of baggage around sure. for a bit. So um, we have amazing uh, supporters, all black supporters, all around the world. Um, but definitely, with the legacy that uh, has been a part of the All Blacks for probably a hundred years, yeah. um, that's when you put on the jersey, you're, you're carrying that with you as well. Yeah. Um, so you just you you realise how special that is. But yeah, it, it, you know when you get your chance, you you just got to make sure you leave something of you in that jersey as well. Mm. Playing overseas, yes, um, and obviously every country is different. Um, what were some of your favourite countries to play in? And what were some of the ones that you didn't that you find a little bit not so favourite to go to? Um, so if I can probably share the my f- favourite and hardest place to play for me would be um, South Africa, and um, 
I love playing at that place. Prob- there's probably a few things that you can talk to in there. Is uh, most of the time when you play up in the high vault, you, you're playing in, in altitude, yes. uh, which is is quite hard to for your lungs to adjust. Yeah. Um, uh, but when you play the spring box at home, um, you're playing against these these giant giants uh, of world rugby, and um, along with that, the, the passionate people as well, and their supporters are the same. Um, so you can the energy feels intense. You know, right. it feels uh, you can feel the danger. Yeah, yeah, you feel it in the air when you're when you're walking into the stadiums, and it's the same thing. You have to walk through people as well. Yeah, yeah. you know, because what's different in New Zealand? Most of the time, the bus goes inside the stadium. That's right. So yeah. they drop you off straight outside yeah. the changing room. Yeah, right. Uh, but when you're playing in some of these other stadiums, uh, you actually have to walk through the, the supporters, mm. and uh, then you can feel the energy that's in the mm. that's in the air. So. Um, it's always it's always really special in South Africa, um, and it's. You why can is why is that? Is that because of just the the generations and tradition between New Zealand and South Africa? Because I know that New Zealand and Australia obviously you know go go at it, but um, what is it between South Africa? Is it also the stuff to do with apartheid? What what is so um, you know what makes them so different? Yeah, I just I th- there's something special about South Africa and probably a lot of the things that they've been through in their past yeah. that makes them uh, stronger as a nation as well. Yeah. You can tell they're very resilient people because of yeah. what they've seen in their lifetime and their rugby players probably carry something similar in them as well. Yeah. Uh, so they're very, very proud people and you feel that on the field as well. Yeah. Um, they don't hold back, do they? They don't hold back, yeah. which is great because yeah. I think that's a sign of respect for when you, when you play against other sides. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's always a tough place to play. Yeah. Um, and if you play in the afternoons, you know it's it's hot as well as um, altitude, as yeah. well as um, the crowd's energy yeah. are pouring yeah. onto yeah. you as well. So, you no, know, had some really tough test matches over there. They got they've had they've got some amazing rugby players as well. Yeah. So uh, any of the All Blacks ever run into any sort of racism or any any of that sort of stuff ever happened to them over there? Because I do know that when that I have heard that when they told when they do travel to South Africa, they kept quite tightly away from the general sort of public in general. Yeah. Um, but that does that, that, does that stuff ever sort of happen to them? Um, I think there's probably been one or two ins- instances that I've heard of, but um, I can tell you, um, South African people are really good. Uh, host, yes. Uh, you've probably been to a few bars, and like you've probably got friends of South African um, yes. um, heritage as well, and uh, they are they are the best hosts in the world. So like, uh, you, f- you when I say passionate, uh, they they goes both ways. Like yeah. they're really passionate about their team, so they support really strong. But after the games, like when you play in Durban, uh, they have like. Um, Boot uh, b- barbecues outside their boots, so like the whole everyone in the stadium stay. Cool. They set up their barbecues, and um, they've got a stage. They do like an after match there in front of all the everyone. Right, right. Uh, but people are offering you barbecue and stuff. Oh, cool. Probably more so when they when their teams win, when. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really hospitable people. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of people. Like South Africa is a huge place with, with a lot of people. So you'd uh, you know. When you travel overseas, you just you're always aware of where you are. But um, they're a, they're a beautiful race, you know. And they when they support their rugby players, that they even they've got a strong all black support crew as well. So yeah, right, right. Um, you said how intense it is to play some of these South Africans. Um, however, that's on the field. Yes, you know, like um, after finishing from rugby, do you keep in touch with any of those those players from like your generation? And stuff. Do you still keep in touch with them, or do you do you know them like off the field personally? Um, most of it's uh, over social media now these right, days. I think it's a really cool um, platform to be able to stay in touch. Um, I was I was just, I just had a uh, message come through from one of the um, uh, props that I used that used to play in, in in South Africa as well, and he was just uh, he did one of the wads that we did. Oh, at the gym <laughs> at the gym so he's just like oh thanks for the word Kiev awesome. uh, it was awesome yeah. and um, you know I think too f- from most of the guys that um, that I played alongside and played against as well um, you see the front rowers the, the guys that are usually got they usually get picked on from the uh, from the backs and that because we probably probably carried a little bit more weight than we should have when we played but they look actually looking really really good these days you know so um, no 
the beauty of social media is that we can keep in touch with our, um, our friends and and guys that we played against uh, all over the world. Um, I think it's something uh, that really keeps that keeps that connection alive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're cool. obviously in real life. You're um, very gentle, very very humble. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm guessing that you have to switch gears like when it's time to go on the field. Um, what is that like? What's that like for you to switch to make that switch? I'm sure it's something that you're used to doing, but describe it. Describe it for me, like as someone that hasn't been at that level. Yes. What it's like to all of a sudden just switch gears and become, you know, you have to get across that try line no matter what. What is that like? Well, so I was just thinking, you know, in the first lockdown, yeah. uh, when they couldn't play any live rugby, they were playing heaps of old All Black Test matches, and um, I'd, they had showed some, they I'd watched some of the Test matches that. Um, there's a lot of test matches that you don't watch on TV because you're, you're playing in them. You, you sort of watch them ah. um, when you're doing your homework. Yes. So, clips. So, you never really watch back some of your games? Not actually like uh, like a, a live replay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, over that lockdown, it was a chance to like watch some of the games. And the game's pretty clean these days. Right. And some of those test matches I was watching, they're pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and when I think about... Um, crossing the line um, it was different for me to watch watch that yeah um, and what's that difference oh just different watching me like that right 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 interesting uh, yeah yeah like I, I knew I know that uh, for my teammates I'll do what I need to I'll do whatever needs to be done um, uh, for my teammates and um, it's like watching a different person almost yeah it is actually yeah I didn't realise that um, I'd probably call it feisty, but I think probably probably being smaller than most of more smaller than most rugby players, I probably a little man syndrome. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. But uh, no, but you're I, in a different headspace. Yes. You're in a different headspace because you're there to do a job. Yes, and you can't. There's no time to like. Um, I guess on the field. Yep. So I think that's why more and more these days we really value good sportsmanship when we see it yes. happen on the field. Yes, know? because I can appreciate that most people there are in the same bar at that high zone where they're about winning they have to win yes um, but if you yeah but now you can sort of step away from it and see it um, must be quite different watching it and watching yourself as well <laughs> yeah it was really it was it's quite eye opening watching it um, but um, you know it's, it's just what you do for your teammates you know and um, um, when it's especially when it's contact sport um, you can't go in half hearted uh, into a contact um, especially when people are bigger than you so uh, yeah I just think um, I just I'd probably from all the way back to what we were talking about in the beginning mm. I'd always put my best out of my best foot forward and um, give it everything I, I had so um, yeah it was pretty cool being able to watch it as a spectator yeah, I, bet, I bet is it hard the actual you know because I know it's being away from home a lot there's a lot of travel that's involved in it what's what's that like um, I th- you know, I think, uh, especially through my rugby career, I was really lucky that um, my family have, uh, they're amazing support um, crew, like um, Ty and the kids um, were always there to support. And even if they didn't travel, could always feel their support. Mm. Um, and I knew that uh, my parents, uh, Ty's parents, our brothers and sisters would always make sure they were looked after 100% yeah. um, so um, I couldn't imagine uh, being able to do my rugby career without, if, that. without that Yeah. and so um, definitely had a strong foundation um, to, to help me be able to do what I did on the field mm. um, and it allowed me to be able to do that really well and yeah I don't think I w- would, would have been able to do any of that if, if I didn't have the support, support of, mm. of, of Ty and the kids and um, and the rest of my family and friends as well. We are only as great as our partners. No doubt. You know, no like, doubt. Um, I I can't say that enough, and I believe in that. Once you have a good partner, yes, you can do almost anything. You yes, almost. you're you're bulletproof. Yes, because you have that support behind you. Yes, you have that support base, and it's you know you're, it feels like I feel like sometimes I'm capable of anything. Yes, you know what I mean. And but that doesn't come from just me. Yep. it comes from my wife my children behind me that um, kind of take off the stress of me worrying about them too much you know and, and just backing me up 
Um, Most definitely. But uh, that's amazing. That's yep. amazing. So um, there's definitely parts to AOS where we like um, when everything's uh, when you got your backs against the wall as well that you know um, I'm going to do this for them. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be no other option that I'll make sure I push you and do it. Do everything we need to do to make sure we can look after them. So yeah. I think that's the other side of it as well that yeah. if you find when you're finding it hard, your family is the purpose where you would lift yourself up out of something finding your why finding, yeah, finding your, why. your why and why you're so far away on the other side of the world doing yep. something crazy yes <laughs> yeah it's finding that reason why um you played a lot of games you played a lot of games but 136 uh 32 132 yes. a lot of games um and i can only imagine <laughs> putting your body through that you know for so long uh, and being able but also a privilege as well to be able to pull on the jersey that amount of times yes um, did you get to a certain point where you weren't sure like whether you know like how for how much longer you could be doing this oh most definitely you know when we're talking about the depth of players that we have in New Zealand and the, uh, there's constant um, the competition is always strong and it's of high caliber um especially coming into my last couple of years uh, as an All Black as well. Um, there's, there's a time when you know your role changes in a team. Right. And um, uh, especially towards the back end where um, my role wasn't starting anymore, um, but there was definitely a role for me to be able to come on and finish games and also I think being, being able to uh, try and help the next... Um, the next players coming through, playing my position, uh, give them the support um, and share with them some of the experiences that I had, be, that I had been through. Um, it's it's quite a, 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 a it's a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and but you have to see how you have to understand what your role looks like. Yeah. Um, if if you can't see it, it can be quite a challenging space to be in, especially if you want to be out there. Um, starting every game and your role has changed so I was you know, how you accept that as well yep yeah and uh, you know um, no, I had my time as a as a starter and you know towards that back end it was just uh, it was definitely about making sure that um, when I was out on the field um, I was giving my team the best of uh, what I could give them uh, but off the field and uh, being able to uh, help um, players come through in my position was definitely a priority for for me. Yeah. What's it like to win the World Cup? Because I, you know, like um, as a as a player, as a rugby player, and there's there's a lot of rugby players in this world. Yes. Uh, but to come through, like you know, from from starting in Tokoro all the way through Arere College, through everything, almost for a rugby player accumulates yes. to this pinnacle of like of winning the World Cup. Yes. What's that feeling like? What was it like for you? Uh, well, if I can probably talk to the first two that I lost, it's um, it, and I think an All Black team always goes into uh, a World Cup um, as a favourite. Yes. Uh, so when when you've when you come into an All Black uh, uh, into a World Cup as a favourite, um, it's really hard if you and you haven't won it before um, to be able to um, put all the talk to the side. Um, and in 2003 and 2007, I played in two World Cups where it went, went pear-shaped. Had really, we had amazing teams, like the players on both those teams, um, more than capable of winning World Cups. But they're a different beast, you know. Right. They, right. Um, they, bring a, they bring different challenges to just playing a regular test match. So right. you have to be at your best for, I think it's like, you know, I think you're there for seven weeks. Yeah. And every week every you've got to be getting better and winning. And it gets to a stage when you get to uh, quarters, semis, and playoffs, uh, where if you lose, you go home. Um, and so I think those two experiences from the first two really set up, uh, put put me and some of my teammates as well in a really good position uh, in 2011, which is the first World Cup we had won since the first one. Mm. And I, th- I think for me, uh, it's probably the most special one because the week leading into the final... Um, the whole, you know, the whole country for the whole World Cup is right behind you, and uh, coming into that last week, the whole country is in black. You know, at the CBD we were staying in town is on lockdown, and there's just people walking around with all black jerseys everywhere. 
Um, but on the flip side of that, there's a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't you can't walk out of the hotel um, and just um, get away from it. You know, so I was I was probably lucky being an Aucklander. I could still drive home and um, come up for some air. You know, before going back into the intensity. Um, but it's man, it was it was amazing and because we hadn't been in a final since the last time, you know, you know probably since '95. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, we didn't play that well. We won that. We won that final, uh, but we didn't play very well at all. You know, eight right. seven. Uh, we had played better games throughout the tournament. Right. Um, but when you play in a final, it's just you just win. Yeah. <laughs> no matter. Yeah. No matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's the winning. I was just gonna just when you're talking before about you know losing the f- the first two that you were a part of. Yep. Um, obviously, that's a massive like drop. And what is that like? Um, I guess um, normally for the fans, the f- especially the New Zealand fans, go into mourning. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, they go like somebody died. Yes. This, this country, man. Yes. Like somebody died. I remember um, I was going to work. It was early. It was early Sunday morning and I had to work and I had to go to work and I just remember um, when the game finished I heard a bottle smash outside <laughs> down the street and I got in my car and I was driving to work and I drove past one pub and people were just coming out like dazed and, like, <laughs> and I was like man this, this country is like this country is something else when yes. it comes to rugby but then what's it like what's it like for the players like if that's what it's like for the New Zealand fans, um, what's it like? What's it like for the players? Um, you know, probably the the best example I can share with you is um, if you lose in a quarterfinal or semifinal, uh, you you go home the next day. And um, when we lost, literally uh, the next day, the next day. So you come off the field, you pack. Next day, you're on the plane. You're on the plane. Like that. Yep. Um, and so when we lost uh, in Cardiff to the French in, in 2007, um, you know, we'd, we'd gone into the game as favourites as well and the French turned up and uh, they played out of their skins that day. Uh, but that, the was, next that was a forward pass there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but they, they played amazing that day. Sure. And the next day we were on the plane and as we're going through the airport... Um, we're going th- going through departures. We can see all black supporters coming through arrivals. And so, you know, when, when you Shit. when you say, how does it feel? You realise a lot of people that love the all blacks, they invest a lot of time and money into it. And they're over on the other side of the world coming to support us. And we're going home. So, like, now I think there's nothing worse than letting, you know, nothing worse than letting yourself down when you don't play very well. Uh, but then when you think about the people that put a lot of time and money into traveling to come and support us, mm. um, you hate letting people down like that, you mm. know? Um, this, you know, And a lot of people talk about uh, people's mental health these, these mm. days. I think there's nothing worse for me when I was playing. It's just when you let people down, mm. well, whether you're playing rugby or anything, you hate letting people down. And mm. um, that's probably the worst feeling, especially that day when we were going through departure and they're coming through the other side and they're looking at us going where are you guys going you know <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's probably the that's the hardest bit is you know you have so many people's uh people um hopes yeah do players themselves go through like a a real like a down period or like w- feel withdrawn once you know when they're back in new zealand does does it happen Oh, I, I think there's definitely a time that you need to um, find some time to just put it back into yourself and uh, build yourself back up. You know, um, I think when you're working under that sort of pressure and intensity, when you're working like, you know, constant like this, there's just times you need to come back down to go back up. Yeah. Um, I think it's part of your, you know, part of your well-being where you just, no one stays at this level yeah. uh, forever. So, uh, especially as as um, high performing athletes you just need to find times where you can come back down uh, just so you can build yourself back up again it's not healthy um, not healthy being in that sort of intensity for too long yeah that's right do you think that I think that like since this pandemic has happened people have really sort of taken a I have I've taken a step back from like um, I know that we understand that New Zealand's rugby mad rugby crazy yep right but 
sometimes when I see stuff in the media about like um, you know when the All Blacks lose and stuff, and honestly, every day there'll be a new article. There'll be a new article. They'll be like, come on, it's it's just a game. I understand people make a lot of money out of this. Yes, players have like families and stuff that count on them. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's you know what I mean? It's a yes. game. It's a game that's played. People, someone's gonna win. Someone's gonna lose. Yes. Um, but the New Zealand public always expect, you know, it has to be, it has to be a win, it has to be, it has to be this, you know, and I think that's such unnecessary pressure. But I think, like, things, things have been put into perspective. We're in a pandemic where yep. people people are dying. Yep. There's, like, there's so much more important things that are happening yep. in our world today no doubt. than sport. And I I think for me, it's like, um, just with the pandemic happening, is starting to notice that, um, you know, how much pressure we put on sport and yep. how much pressure we put on, Athletes and expect them as well to be like role models and stuff. Where yes. that's not really what they sign up for, but it's a different world now. You yeah. know, like we're with the age of social media. You know, once people become into a certain status or a certain player of a certain team, yep. that they have to act accordingly to yes. some. When the f- reason why they were hired in the first place is um, their talent. Yes, you know, and their work ethic. Um, so it's in such a different space at the moment. Um, but I don't think I. I you know, like um, just in recently this year, I don't think it's any easier for when All Blacks like lose games. I don't think it's any easier. Do you think that's right? Or I, you know, no, I think you're right on the money. Um, also, like uh, I think COVID's giving us has given us perspective, mm. um, and I think it's as a professional as well. You just got to realize that um, you're you're playing against other world class athletes, um, so there are going to be days where teams are better than you yeah it's sport yeah. um and i think our public is and not only the public but yeah i can even see it through the rugby players uh, lenses and the way that they're sharing with people is just um everyone's just got a better perspective on life after covid yeah. especially getting the chance to play sport again like yeah um yeah uh, whether that's in the communities because even our kids you can see how much fun yeah. Our kids are having going back to playing sport again. It was really tough when COVID happened and sport was shut down, and yep. then you start to realise that, um, you know, like um, it's what uh, my son was quite lost without yes. his rugby, you know, and because it's like his his big driver through. Yes. Um, so you can appreciate, you know, that um, yeah, just to be able to sort of play sometimes yes. is almost a privilege. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, I think that New Zealand's very lucky that we're in this place that we are at the Amazing. moment. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about like when you were because um, <laughs> becoming like a um, hundredth capped All Black, um, which is amazing, amazing milestone, um, and also you're in amazing shape <laughs> for <laughs> someone that's but for someone that's gone through like figuratively these are like car crashes <laughs> these are car crashes every game that you put your body through but you're still in in pretty good shape but to like um, how how big was it for your family? to reach that milestone of like pay, playing 100 games? Um, well, when I think about playing, uh, when I played my 100th test match, and I was really lucky, uh, you know, uh, me and Ty, we just pulled out some of the <laughs> photo albums. You know, yeah. I don't know if people still have those, but yeah. we had some photo albums at home and it um, had some pictures of our, um, when I played my 100th test match for the All Blacks. And it was in Brisbane, uh, but we had about 100 family members fly over for the game. And um, yeah, I, when I think about the hundred test matches, it's me being able to share that moment with my family, and um, it was like me saying, it was thank my you. way of saying thank you for everything. Because even as a youngster, like um, um, the the support from my family was there. Like, mm. I, you know, when they talk, you know, I I knew as a youngster I wanted to be be an all black. No different to. To uh, to a lot of youngsters in New Zealand, but um, to f- be able to follow through and I uh, uh, follow that through and have their support the whole way through. I want to think back to the hundred games. I was running out there thinking to myself, um, "Thank you, you know, thank you for being here on this special day. This is uh, my way of being able to share this with you is say thank you for everything." Mm. Would you describe it almost as that feeling? It's not just you that has achieved it, yep. but it's everyone. It's my team, but yes. it's my family. Everyone behind me. Yes, we have achieved this together. And yeah, oh man, uh, that's 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 what it feels like to to play the hundred games. And then, and then I think about all the teammates that have uh, been there all through all the way through, like uh, through the different parts of it. You know, 
because um, a lot of a lot of your teammates move on as well. Yeah, you become really good friends, but um, things change and life happens. Yeah, life happens. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this it's a it's a big journey with a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, but your good friends are always there and your family are always there. So yeah, it's I I just look back and think uh, it's a nice way of being able to um, thank all the people uh, that helped me on that journey. Is it still only five All Blacks that have crossed the hundred mark? I think we've got a few more now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they've, uh, you know, um, and we've got a few more on the cusp as well. So yeah, it wouldn't have helped with COVID locking things down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, very, very special to be able to be a part of uh, that. But you just realise there's so many um, factors and people that go into uh, making it all possible. Sure. <laughs> yep. Who were some of the favourite players that you'd played with that you really enjoyed playing with across the years? <sighs> I'll take a drink first, eh? <laughs> um, I, also, I don't think it'd be fair to like say one or two. Oh, right, okay. I was, okay no, sure. But because I, um, I had so many good friends. Sure. Um, and teammates have become really good friends as well. Mm. Even part, even management. Mm. Um, you know, because part of it's a whole different set of family, isn't it? It is because you've only got each other on the road and you've only got each other on the field. Yeah, and you, you know, and we were talking about contact sport before. Like, yeah. uh, it's a different level of trust. Yes, because you know, if we're packing down, if I'm packing down in a scrum with my teammates, um, I'm trusting that they're going to do their job right, so they they protect me. You want to go home? So I want to go home. Yeah, <laughs> and I know it sounds like yeah, it sounds a no, little bit, but it's literally, but it literally, literally is. Yeah, if something goes wrong, yep. if someone doesn't back you up, yep. something something so easily could happen to you. Something could snap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the craziest contact sports on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and so that level of trust that you build with your teammates, mm. uh, especially the ones like uh, being in the middle of a scrum, mm. um, the people behind you, the people on the side of you, like, uh, it's pretty special. Mm. Um, so there's, there's, oh, there's, yeah, it'll be, it'll be wrong for me just to, to name out a I couple. Understand. I understand what you're saying, yeah. Uh, but man, there's so many, uh, they're all very special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just give me two seconds. Yep. You need a refill? Yes, please. I made my kids a crispy chicken. <laughs> yeah. Just before. Yes. Took it to their grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the house is so quiet. <laughs> Are the grandparents close as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, grandparents just live just around the corner. Awesome. So very lucky. Oh, man. <laughs> Especially these days, eh? Like, I, I probably took for granted how important your grandparents are. Yeah. Uh, and as a parent, you realise the man, they... They're lifesavers, eh? They are, they are. They come to... You come to depend on them a lot. They step in almost without asking any questions. You know, they're always there to like watch our kids, and we got four of them. Yes. <laughs> um, and our lives are pretty busy, so it's, yeah, it's always such a. I feel honored that yeah. Laura's parents are always so quick to like snap them up and take them. Yeah. But yeah, having to put all this together. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, but it's just a simple idea. And I, 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 I really like this concept of like yes. just sitting down with someone and just getting to know them, you know, for a couple of hours. Yes. And I think. Um, I, I personally I want to hear more of like other people and like their journeys and, and I think it reaches out as well to people out there yep um, also makes a lot of people more human yes as well and everyone of course is on different journeys mm -hmm. but normally that normally our different journeys are quite universal there's people out there that it sort of speaks to you know that um, or people that understand different things or take different points of view and yes. accept them a bit more if they can hear it or hear someone else a bit more yeah I, I definitely I understand that because a lot of people that talk to me and um, a lot of the different types of work that I'm doing now um, there's some people look at you only through a rugby lens yes at the CMA as a rugby player yeah. but um, um, this rugby is the vehicle yes. but, and, but you can um, think about all the amazing other, all the other amazing stuff you learn from it like being able to work under pressure uh, being able to um, be a part of team culture and part of building that as well um, learning to communicate with people mm. um, uh, sometimes you're you're not the leader uh, so sometimes you've got to be the person that just goes to work 
mm. and does the work. Mm. Uh, so there's there's all these different moving parts to um, our b- b- to rugby that it's not only just being a rugby player; mm. you're just going out and playing on the field. Mm. It's a lot of preparation. You know, you learn to pre- prepare well and do that as a at a world class level. Um, these are some of the things that experiences that we can take into the other parts of work or life that we do as well. Yeah. Um, but some people, some people don't see it like that. Right. 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 It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I think you're to myself, in, you're almost pigeonholed into a box, and yeah. that's who you are supposed to be. <laughs> yes. And it, well, you know, it's also like you know, I'm lucky enough to be on local board here in Papakura. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, definitely has a different lens, and that's, it's that's amazing. Uh, did you always want to do that? I was quite surprised when um, I heard that you were running. Uh, but is that something that you've you've always wanted to do? Well, someone, um, so many people have been coming up to me and saying, uh, "Oh, you're in politics now." Um, right. But I never looked at it like that. Right. You know, I just thought this was it was a really cool opportunity for me to be able to help um, help my community. Mm. Uh, and I think when you look at it from a local board perspective, it's helping uh, support the community initiatives. Mm. I didn't realize like how much impact that the community has on the uh, our little community groups have on the community right how much uh, volunteers are doing in our community there's a lot there's so much yeah um so being able to support them and help uh on what the future looks like for this our district. area as well yeah. yeah so i never looked at it as politics i never came in to be a politician right uh, but i did want to come in and help influence what it looks like, what it looks like here in Papakura, yeah. and help our community. Why is that? Did you feel like it wasn't going in sort of the direction that you'd like to sort of see it going? Uh, no, I mean, I never had, I never, I never sort of looked at in a, into it with that sort of with those sort of right. that sort of lens. Um, you literally just wanted to help add I, in and yeah. help guide it as well. Yeah, and you know, like our, you know, our business is yeah. is in the area as well. Um, we eat. We eat and shop local as well, and so I just wanted to be able to um, where I could help influence. I'm really proud of where we live, and um, I think coming from a, back, a rugby background as well, um, um, I probably got a, a network that I can share um, globally, right? Uh, um, and I can share that you know that I'm really proud of where I'm from, yeah. And so whenever we're eating. Um, training at what we do here in Papakura I'm always like happy to share that yeah. uh, socially like on my social media because I'm really proud of where I come from that's great Yeah, it's yeah. a great community yes I was a, we were at a free event uh, yesterday yes in Papakura um, Chrissy and um, her church Rich, yep. were doing um, free sausages um, carols uh, face painting yes and so we took our kids there it's great. Yes. You know, I mean, that's what a community should be about. Yep. It's about those sort of events because um, not everyone has money to like, you know what I mean, go to things or afford things. But whenever there's those sort of events, they just bring everyone a bit closer together. Yes. You know, and cars driving past and they're giving out sausages to people just driving past. Yep. And such a great feeling, a great vibe. And Papakura's ha- had that um, for quite a while now. Yeah. That really good energy about it. Yeah, we were at the um, Christmas parade last week. Oh, yes. Yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've been to a Christmas parade, but you just—it's amazing the um, the joy you see on uh, families' faces. We yeah. could see them. We were at um, Satay Noodle House, you know, at Bun's um, yeah. restaurant. We were having a feed there, some lunch. But as we were waiting, we could see the road start to fill up with families, yeah. and you can see the genuine joy that um, families get yeah. that we all had from the day, yeah. watching the floats go past. And free lollies. Free lollies. That was. <laughs> That's always That's magical the community when we're Santa about. comes out at the end. Oh, man, yeah. They were so stoked, so... Let's freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy? Do you enjoy working on the board? I do, actually. Like, um, I'm work, I work alongside some really, um, some really good experienced people mm. and people that are genuinely wanna want this community to do well. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I love it. It's just... It's just really broad. Right. So, like, you're looking at these long-term plans as well as right. talking with um, our people, our constituents, and yeah. it might be something, you know, there's a light out. Can you help or would you be able to help organise to get the light changed or something? So, um, it's just broad. There's a lot whole of things. A whole variety of things. A whole variety of things. So, I'm, you know, I've done my first year. Yeah. Got a couple more years left. But, um, 
still getting my head around something. So sure, yep. Just like everything, I guess it's a learning process. And yes. Just getting better at it. Yes. Um, the concept for your gym. Yes. For Fit Sixty, um, did that start? Um, once you left rugby or how did that come about or was that something that you and Ty had just always wanted to to, um, to, to start running? I think I think um, you know a, a strength that we both have is that we have really um, we connect well with people mm. um, and and when I think about um, the times that I spent my, uh, my dad and my uncles had a gym when I was a youngster and my dad comes from a bodybuilding background. Uh, same with my uncles. And when I look through my rugby career, I was in a gym the, my whole rugby career, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Um, I knew it was something uh, that I love to do um, and that I had been around for been around a long time. But some of the... Um, some, it's some different the, though to being in a gym yes. to like only and running yeah. a gym because you have to have uh, it's a different switch because yes. you can't switch off and train no, no <laughs> I, 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 but I think the the things that we do really well which is about um, being with people helping people uh, that's pretty much what we do at the gym you know like it's a it is a, it's a community place yeah we well, like we can't take it away we actually we people our people train really hard they got a really awesome training ethic uh, and it's our job to be able to help bring that out of them mm. um, but like we talked about before they work hard they dance at the same time they go catch up for coffees you know like it's an awesome community yeah um, they really look after each other so um, I think that's that's probably uh, the real heart of heart of it sure. the training part of it is like the is the vehicle that we get people down there. It was the mic on mic. It's in that mic on mic. And pour us another one. Let's do it right though, Mike. We feeling nice though, Mike. Gather round, gather round. It's in that mic on mic. It's in that mic on mic. Yeah. Garage drinks with Mike. Woo! 